As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Hi, this is Dr. Scott Hahn and you're listening to Joseph Warren with Broken Catholic. You're going to enjoy everything you hear. Today, my featured guest is Jeff Shufflebein and he is a Catholic entrepreneur, culture expert and motivational speaker with a passion for human formation and innovation. In his role as a managing partner for Undivided Life, Jeff provides strategy and culture consulting to a wide variety of organizations. Jeff is a dedicated Jeff is dedicated to the local Catholic community, serving on the boards of the Catholic Foundation, the Catholic Music Initiative, and the Highland School. He also co-hosts the brand new show, The Beatitudes, Dudes, The Beatitudes, Dudes, a religiously funny podcast for Christian men seeking to follow God's will as they grow together in humor and holiness. Jeff lives in Irv- Irving, Texas with his wife and their six young kids. Six kids. You know he's Catholic for all my Protestant listeners right there. There's a joke there. Come on. All right. So, Jeff, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics, where we speak unity, not theology. Jeff, go ahead and take a second and just fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? You know, Joseph, first of all, thank you. Second of all, I always love that as a Catholic, when I'm speaking to Catholics, I, I am talking about the same thing. But when I'm talking to Protestants, I just talk about being a Jesus follower. And what's so funny is that's what we all are. Yeah. I think the uh, the intro was good. I know I helped to write it. I consider my life one of hopefully answering the call to apostleship. And so I go on a walk every day that God allows me to wake up. And whoever he puts in my path, I do my best to be the hands and feet of Christ for them and to be a light to them, but not without considering the prioritization of my wife comes after God and my wife comes before my kids. So if I can keep that kind of priority in order, the rest of it is just using the gifts God gave me. And uh, my real bio looks like I made it up because every day I'm involved in somebody's business or coaching some leader, some priest, some nonprofit, uh, helping people to launch whatever they're doing because God gave me a specific set of skills and experiences and I'm blessed to be able to use them. I like to sh- uh, start the show off this way, uh, just by kind of breaking the ice. Share something personal about you that very few people in your business or ministry life actually know. All right. 
So something personable, uh, there's probably a lot of people that know this, but um, I one time had to say goodbye to my own son. Uh, he was born and his lungs never opened. And I share this because I, I think of life in these like fight or flight moments. You don't know who you really are unless you're put to the test. And it's become a big part of what I think of every day, all day long, not because I was faced with that situation and, and had to go through the tragedy of preparing with a wheelchair. I was pushing my wife down to go and say goodbye to our son. He was about 18 hours old. Um, it was because in that fight or flight moment, I realized that I had been formed every moment up until then. And that in complete sadness and in complete despair, I didn't turn to anger and I didn't turn to bartering with God. I turned and said, thy will be done. And let me be here present for, to my son for whatever's remaining in his life. And my wife repeated that prayer of thy will be done as she met her son for the first time. And Joseph, we had him, he didn't die. He didn't die that night. Uh, in fact, we had him baptized when he was 24 hours old. His lungs still were not open. He was paralyzed, sedated put on fentanyl they, they medically had to just shove air into his body and they quit working on him and when we asked people to pray for him over email social media we was about 32 hours old his lungs opened uh so my son is three and a half years old so i've faced completely the goodbye and devastation of letting my son go and i have him in front of me there's a lot to this story but it's a testament of being tried and turning to God's will. Maybe that was the whole purpose. I don't know. God, God has purposes that we don't get to see. Um, and I, I share that because I want everybody to know that, that when you're, when you're formed and you can get to this place of abandonment to God's will, it doesn't take away sadness or hurt or, you know, it doesn't make life easy. It just makes it all meaningful. You know, what you're just, wow, thank you for that. Uh, and what a twist on that story. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. I just had uh, our third baby um, last week. Congratulations. And, yeah, thanks, brother. And we had a baby boy, right? Another beautiful little son. And uh, wow, that hits home, that story. Um, what you're talking about is surrender, right? And And this is something, especially as men, uh, for us hard-charging guys uh, that perform at a high level of success in our business, uh, it's the most difficult uh, thing for us to do is to surrender to God's will, especially when we disagree with it. Can I share something with you that yeah. I think about? Your number one podcast for Catholics and Protestants. So my son's name is Ambrose. And there's a couple parts of this story that I think are so critical. Number one, the prayer I asked for wasn't for my Catholic friends to go and dedicate a mass. Certainly that was happening all over America. It was for people of faith to pray for God's will over these doctors and over my son's life. People of faith. As I was in that hospital, somebody would show up in a collar and everybody would say, Jeff, this priest is here to see you. And it would be somebody I'd never met before. It would be an Anglican priest or a deacon from some other religion, or somebody brought me relics from an Eastern Rite church or a Marianite church and sat with me and prayed. And one time a, a 
technician, you know, a breathing tech was walking by and she said, hey, you can't sleep here because I was going on two, three days. Took five days for him to come out of sedation with his lungs open. And I'm sitting there and I said, ma'am, I'm not sleeping. I'm praying. And she said, can I pray with you? She said, I'm from a cowboy church and this is how we pray. And she stood up over my son and I had coworkers and friends and people who've never said the word God to me, praying with me over text. I had the Bishop of Dallas who have never called me in my life. I get a call, it's Bishop Burns, Jeff, let's pray over your son right now. So you talk about unity. When life is on the line, nobody asks, what church do you go to? They say, how can I pray for you? And you can feel, I'm going to cry. You can feel the depth, the way that prayer is real in your life. And even the doctor who was trying to break the news to us that his lungs had opened began to cry. And she apologized to me and my wife. And she said, I'm crying for your son. I'm so sorry. And I said, please don't apologize. She said, I stayed up last night and I prayed for your son because medically we've been done for hours and hours. So all we have left is prayer. And I can't believe that, you know, I don't know if he's going to make it, but I can tell you there's good news that his lungs finally opened. Um, so I think that my son also represents to me that we don't need to be divisive. We need to love others regardless of where they are and be a witness to the love of Jesus so that they can possibly have that encounter. I think your son is such a great example of answer, an answer to the question, why does God allow suffering in the world? It's such a basic common human question. Yes. Well, God is such a good God. Why does he allow evil? Why does he allow hurt and pain and suffering like your son? Well, look what happened through that pain and suffering of your son. All these people through all different backgrounds, uh, belief systems, non-believers all come together in oneness, in unity for one common purpose. That's the greater good. Yes. That's the greater good. And this is what God's trying to do in the world, I believe. He's always up to that kind of work, is, is unity around love, right? Who he is. Oh. And, and we're constantly, the enemy's the opposite. He's all about, you know, divisiveness and hate. And it's, it's like, what a great example of your son. And I was tearing up as you were sharing that uh, as well, because love does that, right? It punches you in the heart. And that's a story of love that God, <laughs> dude, he didn't have to save your son. And the unity still would have been there. That's right. That's right. Can I tell you what happened next, though? Yeah, obviously where are... this episode is going to be about this. So let's go. Good. Good. Amber, I think Ambrose is, uh, is one, of, one of God's bright billboard gifts to the world. Every kid is a gift to the world. We're surrounded by miracles and by God's will. It's, he's an interesting one because I can point at it. And uh, so so the, let's just say the world prayed for this boy. And in the weeks and months after, people would be very moved when they finally got to see him out in public with us. But what happens to this day is uh, we were at the playground the other day and somebody had moved back from Mexico. And she saw all these kids running around and all my kids are blonde. And she was like, are your kids here? And I said, yeah, almost every blonde kid out there is one of mine. And she goes, is, uh, is Ambrose one of them? And I pointed as he was coming down the slide and she just started crying. She was like, that's Ambrose. Like that's, I prayed for this boy and here he is. And that happens. That's the Catholic school on the playground. 
It happened when I stopped in my parents' neighborhood because I saw my old choir teacher passing me from 20 years ago, 25 years ago. I stop him and his wife gets out of the car and she barely hugs me. I haven't seen this woman in almost 20 years. She opens the door to my fan and says, which one is Ambrose? And she's crying on him, like loving this. At the time he was three, you know, almost three because she had prayed so fervently. And by the way, now that I actually play this back, she lost one of her kids at five years old. They had twins, one had heart surgery. So I think that she felt this connection to him. So all that to say, and now I want to talk about the love of Christ. When Ambrose was about a month old, he was home. And they put so much air into his body, they ripped his lungs open. They had to drain his side with like a tube that took the air and the fluid out. So we get home. I mean, listen, we didn't even hold him until he's eight days old. He comes home before he's three weeks old. And I'm changing his diaper and I kiss that little wound on his side. You can see the little scar to this day. And I'm like, what a beautiful little boy. And I have tears in my eyes. And then Joseph, it hits me that he's got IV wounds in both of his hands and IV and pick line wounds and different stuff in both of his feet. And he's got his side pierced where they had to drain him. And he has the five wounds of Jesus Christ. And my, my son who led my friends to prayer, who, who showed the dignity of life in his first 48 hours more than I have in 44 years is a walking billboard for the five wounds of Christ. That's Ambrose. I don't know what to say to that. Thanks be to God. Yeah. What a life ahead, huh? For that little guy. My, uh, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to lose him, Joseph. I, I was in a, like a healing moment, like going through all the Bob shoots, be healed books and all this. And I had this vision, we'll see what happens, that I hope that I die an old, older man with my wife by my side and Ambrose hugging me from behind. That's the way I want to go out of this world. All right. For all you dads out there listening right now, if you don't have a tear in your eye, wake the F up. Your priorities are off. Yeah. This is what matters in life, right? We're chasing the dollar. We're chasing more success. We're chasing achievement and status. What do other people think of me? Oh, it's so important. None of it actually is. At the end of the day, when I speak with these guys at the higher levels of success, and I know you do as well, Jeff, their two biggest fears, or one of, they pick one, right? Like it's, I don't want to fail my family. Biggest fear. Yeah. Or yeah. who's going to show up to my funeral? Yeah. Like, that's it. So imagine if you actually started your day with those two questions or set those two intentions for every day. And then aligned your day to that. You would win every single day. Yeah, there's no losing. When that's the focus, my, my business partner called it, uh, wake up with eulogy values. Your values are related to your eulogy. Who, how did you show up that day? And then you don't even fear death because you're going to do the best that you can given the situation and skills God gave you for that day. You know, the talents. Um, so yeah, at the end of the day, what else could you possibly call your priorities? 
So Jeff, let's shift here, okay? Because you get to work with a lot of high-level guys and executives running these big corporations. You come in, you speak to their people, you help them shift their culture and improve it. Um, you run retreats and workshops for guys at that level of success. Like, what is the most common pain point you're seeing as far as a pattern of pain with these men? Yeah, this is my favorite line. Jeff, I am crushing it at work. I'm killing it on all fronts. And my marriage is not going very well. And I don't have it together at home. And I'm suffering and I need an emotional coach. And so what I kind of after I can allow that person to settle into a, a deep relationship, help them to understand that they're not crushing it at work at all. That that what you just said couldn't possibly be true because you can't be, you're not two different people. You're not crushing it at work and and your wife is suffering or that your kids don't know who you are or that, you know, they don't feel like they have a, a father that, that loves them. Work and life are just the same thing. It's just different hours in different places that you're sitting during the day. So you can't be crushing it in one and not the other. Um, I think what's very fascinating is as you dig into that and as you really help people to be better leaders, better communicators, better relationship building, better mindset, even if it's 100% secular corporate America, my version of what we're really trying to do is get them to be better human beings so they become better spouses, better sons and daughters of God, uh, better brothers and sisters, better community members, that they show up and that even their kids consciously or subconsciously say, I'm so grateful that my dad is part of this organization because it makes him a better person. But I think people struggle with identity because how would you not? We get accolades for being so important. We're told all the time that we need to be the best. We have this I'm great, you're not culture from the day that we start in school, sports, organizations, even the way that we just email each other is to prove that I'm great and I got it right and you're the one who messed up and you're wrong. And it, it becomes the fabric of our relationships and look, everything else reinforces that unless we're really intentional about seeking to find out like, why do I exist? What is my presence on earth for? What is a higher purpose that is not money, but is somehow related to for a Christian glorifying God for somebody else, at least making the world a better place through their work, whether that's a widget, a janitor, a CEO, whoever, because that all leads to this truth of why we, why we were made. You and I both know that men don't like to admit when they don't have it all together. It occurs as a sign of weakness, according to society's standards. How do you get them to open up and be vulnerable? And how would you do that with one of my listeners right now who knows his life has fallen apart at home, but he's crushing it at work? But he knows, he sees the writing on the wall, the impending doom, the divorce is two to three years out. His kids are disconnected. They don't speak to him anymore. It's all slipping away. His success is slipping away, but he doesn't know what to do. All he's good at is money and business. What do you say to him? First, I think, I hope that we're in situations where we can witness to people by our lives. How many times do you and I find ourselves in a room 
with just, I'm just going to say men for a second, especially in a business profession or whatever. And they start to do that negative talk that they feel comfortable saying in front of each other. Like, oh man, I get to go to Charlotte this week. I'm so glad to be away from my wife and kids. Or, oh, you got six kids. I bet you're so glad to be here at this offsite, you know, where you can sleep in or you can have a drink and not have to worry about the diapers, you know, whatever. The anti-marriage, anti-kids, anti, you know, structure and responsibility talk is actually just a bunch of nonsense that most men fall victim to because they're just running their mouth. They don't even believe it. And the way that I at least have helped people to break down and become vulnerable is to never take the bait. So if somebody says, oh, you've been married 12 years and six kids, like that must be, that must be a beat down when you walk into that house. My opening line is make no mistake about it. Being home with my wife and kids is a great blessing. In fact, two nights ago, I didn't sleep at all because I was up with a nine-year-old who had a major fever. And by the grace of God, I wasn't traveling that night and I got to be her, her dad. I didn't have to. I got to take care of my precious daughter and she needed me in that moment. And then the baby's got a fever this week. So I'm also so grateful that we get to hold her and nourish her and kiss her. And so like when you start to use that kind of language, you know what happens for most guys, either a it kind of turns them off and they walk off and you're just hoping the Holy Spirit's working on them as they leave or B they'll actually adjust on the spot. Joseph, they'll say, yeah, you know what? Actually, I feel the same way. I, I miss my kids. I wish I was closer to my wife. I wish, I wish, I wish. But they're so used to being reinforced in their negativity and in their their ugly talk. I, I want to bring this back to Ambrose for a second. My wife and I never know the gender of our children before they're born. We do the same. I wish if we could convince men to do this, it's one of the greatest gifts you could ever have. You get to be in the moment throughout the pregnancy, and then you, me, we get yeah. to have a role in that delivery room. It's, it's so a- funny. The doctor butterflies the legs. Daddy, what do we got? I'm like, that was too quick. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me double check. So when I'm getting ready to have Ambrose, he was our number four, the miracle child. I would tell people that my wife's due in June. And they'd say, what are you hoping for? A boy or a girl? And I'd say, whatever God gives us. Mm-hmm. And what do they say next, Joseph? as long as they're healthy. And I always say, even if they're not, it's literally whatever God gives us is what I am here to, you know, to take in as my child Mm -hmm. dies in the womb, dies on day one, dies long after I'm dead, healthy, unhealthy, whatever illnesses and trials that come, I signed up for it because I'm dad. Mm -hmm. And by saying that, it's funny how many people get caught off guard because they don't realize what they just said. Like they say, even if they're, as long as they're healthy, they never meant it. Mm-hmm. So I think part of getting people to vulnerability is to ask ourselves, why do we say what we say anyways? And to be more authentic and intentional with our language to where that becomes the muscle memory that becomes the go-to. And now men are actually mostly poised to have real conversation. You and I just give them the invitation by showing them the example of how to get there. Hmm. That's really good. I know right there I could do better in that. I do half of what you said. Like when someone says, good luck ever again, sleep again. I'm like, that's not my story. That's somebody else's. Amen. Like I'm an epic dad. I love being a father. Like I, that's about as far as I go, but I really like how you just take it all the way. Yeah. 
yeah, you know, when the people say, how are things going? And they say, busy. I know things are busy. You're, you're in America in 2023. Like, how are you doing? How's it really going? And so I refuse to answer questions that way. I answer questions about, well, here's what's going on in my life. Or when people say, what do you do? And I start off by talking about being a spouse and a father and the way that I approach my day. And of course, I mean, how do you make money? But that's a totally different question. So we can be in a communication level that's more intentional and not contrived. I'm not trying to manipulate a situation. I just have a certain number of day, you know, hours in the day. When I met you, we had a real conversation. So now I get to be on a podcast with you. We didn't sit there talking about the weather in Cincinnati. I don't care. I can look outside. You know, so many guys, they'll, they fill their heads. They say, I don't have the capacity, right? I need more capacity. Yet they fill their heads with every sports statistic of every player of all their favorite mm-hmm. teams, yet they can't remember the details of their children's lives or their wife and her interest in what she loves that he used to remember, right? Like, oh. it's just, it's misprioritization is all it comes down to. And it's like, what statistics and information and details actually matter in your life? And then clear your head of all the ones that don't. Well, Joseph, I need to stay informed of everything going on in the business world in order to, you know, stay relevant and succeed. No, you don't. Trust me, the world will always remind you about what's going on out there. Joseph, my wife had this major surgery after our first child. Uh, That's why she's had all C-sections since then. And we were in the hospital for six weeks, this many months after the baby was born. And it was, that was one of the most formative times in my life. I felt people praying for me. I got very close to uh, uh, kind of the rosary as a form of prayer. All these great things happened uh, in there. But I read Pope Benedict's book, Light of the World. It's an interview with him. And he makes this point. You should know a little bit of what's going on in the world, but you can't change it. So don't consume yourself with it. That was nine and a half years ago. Since then, I grew one business to be tremendously successful, and I did an exit and held on to part of my, my equity there, launched another business, have spoke on giant stages, have had five more kids, have my podcast, have a live Catholic radio show, tremendous joy. And when people keep trying to find it, like, how are you keeping this all together? It's because it's effortless. And I stopped built, putting this like weight and this pressure on myself of needing to know what's going on out there. And you know how you really know? Walk around anywhere. And if you hear two people say shooting in Tennessee, something's happening in Tennessee. You need to go look it up. But when it's the Spurs won at a last second buzzer beater, okay, maybe I'll catch it on a TV. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not significant. It's just fun. So go have fun when it's time to do that part. You know, the pastor at my church, not to knock him down, but he's a huge uh, Tampa Bay Lightning fan. And, uh, you know, he'll say it after, you know, service concludes. And it's just like, oh, Lightning's in the playoff. Hopefully they don't screw it up again. We're going for another title. And I'm like, how many titles is enough? Wow. Like, we're called like Champa Bay because we've won so much. Like, when is it ever enough? And I'm thinking about, well, isn't that the same in our own personal lives? Yes. The next trophy, the next million the next like what is enough it won't satisfy it 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 doesn't satisfy so we need more and more and more and it's just like i don't know every time i hear him say something like that i'm just like oh you're missing it you're missing (laughs) it like level up 
You're just, you're still playing the same record as six seven years ago, oh. hoping for the same exact intention as six or seven years ago. Oh. You know, Joseph. When people say, "Do you want your new business, Undivided Life?" to be big? Do you want to scale it up? Do you want a lot of employees? My answer is no, but it's going to. I want to have the maximum impact that we can given the gifts that we have and to not bury the talents that God gave us, to use us to multiply. And every way in which my partner and I show up to people, we believe is a life-affirming, Christ-affirming tool for evangelization. Business is a place where you get to captivate a lot of mind share and a lot of heart share because people are working together a lot. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, we know we will grow and that growth and profits and all that stuff is an outcome of it. But it certainly is not our purpose. Our purpose is to live an undivided life, one in which our priorities are clear and present to people that God comes before spouse, spouse before kids, and then so on. And in that we do excellent work, we both kind of honed in our crafts and that's gonna cause us to grow. That is an outcome, a lagging indicator of impact not a reason to exist. Mm. You and I met, sorry, I'm going to jump to something. You and I met in Cincinnati at the National Men's Conference. Mm -hmm. Brother, I got to speak on stage. I don't know how many thousands of people were in that arena, but there was a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I felt very inspired by the Holy Spirit. I'm proud of the talk that I gave. Excuse me. I walked off stage. I called my family and my kids could care less that I was on stage in front of thousands of people. So how humbling and beautiful is that Yeah, that they don't put me on a pedestal just because I spoke to somebody. I think kids have a way of keeping you in check with the real thing that matters, that, that who you are to them, not who That's you it. are on stage matters. What you say to them, not what you say to others matters. Yes. That's the key, right? Are you constantly showing up on the stage of your kid's life are you showing up on the stage of your your bride's life like this is the key right and listen you're not going to get it right all the time maybe even rarely if you're like me right but you get back up and you're intentional you're intentional about it and you have those hard conversations when you and your wife are headed in different directions all of a sudden and you come back and you say, hey, it's team, you know, whatever your family's last name is. Like, oh. we got to get back on this. We got to do a marriage reset. Like, let's sit down. Like, what, how can I show up as a better husband to you? And, you know, there's stages of life. You and I both know that people will go through busy periods. And that's okay. But don't start to let that be your identity, that I'm so busy and that makes me therefore important and therefore I'm too important for X, Y, and Z that really matters acknowledge that you might have a busy two months ahead, yeah. but don't, don't fall victim to ring your own press that that makes you important. And when it becomes out of whack for too long, I would be more than willing to walk away from anything to put my priorities back in order of God, wife, kids. So mm. walk away from your company, walk away from your fame, walk away from what it being, you could actually spend too much time serving the community, being on too many boards and nonprofits, you know, like at some point that becomes your own form of self-worship. So be ready to be ready to put your time and money where your mouth is of your priorities. All right. Speak to us about how do we get, 
how do we get rid of the undividedness or the dividedness in our life, the divisiveness in our own life, right? There's no such thing as work-life balance. Guys at that upper level, they hate that term. They're like, I'm chasing harmony. I want work-life harmony or integration. Uh, speak to us specifically about how you help men do that, what you see that actually works, um, what are practical tools we can do as guys, right? I'm speaking to our, our guys right now, and for all you wives listening, or you have a man in your life that you love, well, then refer him to this episode. But what do you got for them, Jeff? Right on. The first, maybe I'm going to oversimplify it, is know who you are. And I think for your podcast, there's probably a good population of people who know in faith that they're a son of God who's called to glorify him in their work, called to glorify him in the way they show up in family. But you have to understand that your body doesn't exist to pump blood and breathe oxygen and you don't exist to make money and neither does a business. There's a higher purpose to everything and keep chasing that truth because there's not a finished line. There's a direction that you're supposed to be pointed and uh, God willing, you stay on that direction. So know who you are. The second is it's not just okay. It's important to share who we are and acknowledge and love who other people are. So the person who has a fundamentally different belief system, who doesn't believe in God, who has a different lifestyle, it's okay. It's not just okay. It's important to acknowledge who they are, um, that they exist. You can be curious about them, right? The, the Buddhist in your cubicle next to you is an important person to get to know and to understand how they came in their faith journey and what their background is. Just like it's good for you to share that the reason I do X, Y, and Z is that my faith informs every decision I make. And I'm not rubbing it in people's face. It's just in a way that people understand who I am. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna check it at the door, nor am I gonna scream it from the rooftops. I'm just gonna live into it that you would know if you were around me that I love Jesus Christ and I love my wife and I love my kids. If you know those three things, then I'm good with you because now you're, you're getting to know me. Now I wanna understand what makes you tick. What are the things about you that cause you to be excited, be distracted, have energy, feel anxiety. Like, let's keep going deeper. And that doesn't even mean friendship. Friendship's a bonus. That's just humanizing a workplace. And by doing that, I'm, I'm starting to strip away these divisions and the part where you're supposed to bucketize how you're doing. Um, but then the final part is, we talked about it a lot earlier, being intentional about our words, our relationship building, and our mindset. We don't realize that we might have our priorities straight, but our words and actions don't back it up. Here's a great one for a business leader. We talk about that we treat you like family and we say that we're a family-friendly organization and maybe I own the company and I'm talking to the marketing department. I have a direct report and four people and I email them on Saturday morning and say, don't worry about this until Monday. Don't worry about reading this until Monday, even though it says, how can we lost this account and we need to get better here? It's kind of some stuff that's really going to rattle you. So everybody on the team, three out of the four people read it. And one of them is not going to look at their phone until that evening. One of those people responds and starts telling me the details of what went wrong. The next person says, actually, you got that part wrong. It's this, this, and this. Now they're all trying to prove which one's still working at the kid's soccer game, which one's uh, no more, who's right and who's wrong. And the poor person that didn't look at their phone till 6 p.m. on Saturday because they were enjoying their personal time now feels so behind. They have to prove that they're willing to work till 11 o'clock on Saturday night, texting, emailing, whatever they're doing, carries over into Sunday. We get to Monday morning and the boss says, hey, appreciate it. Y'all didn't have to do that. You could have waited till Monday morning. 
No, you couldn't. You literally, as a human being, are not going to take the owner, the manager, the leader and ignore them, especially as everybody else is jumping in. You as the leader have just now hijacked their time because you're not being intentional. You can work on Saturday morning, delay the delivery of your email until 8 a.m. Monday. Like, let's stop. Let's stop putting banners on the wall about work-life balance, which I agree with you is a terrible term. And instead, just be intentional about how we treat people. How if there's ever a time where we're going to hijack their Saturday or Sunday or evening work, it's, it's noted that this is abnormal and it's for a good reason. And I have trouble because people will say, well, what about emergencies? And Joseph, when's the last time you received an email for an emergency? Like nobody, emailing is not the go-to for an emergency. Call 911. So I hope that helps a little bit. It's like, know who you are, communicate, and love other people for who they are. And then be intentional. Dissect the words and the processes. And we said it earlier, nobody's perfect in this. You don't over-engineer it. There's no one silver bullet. The totality of what we say and do matters. It matters. I agree with you on, uh, you know, showing up um, intentional, uh, loving people, right? Especially as a business leader. I can't tell you how many times, whether it be partners or vendors or customers, and they drop some little crises email or emergency or just something to think about, or they finally get back to me on a Friday end of business because they finally got to it. Well, how does that make me feel? It makes me feel last in their life. And they just hijacked my mental uh, property, right? By dropping that last minute on a Friday. And now I know if I respond to that, even immediately, they're not going to get around to it until next week sometimes. <laughs> oh. And I'm like, so imagine that as you're listening right now, are you guilty of that yourself? Do you do that end of day Friday thing? How long have you been doing that? And I think Jeff brings up a great point. You're not showing up as loving as you might think you are to those people. Oh. And maybe just put an end to that habit today. Make that decision today. That never again will you do that. But you'll start putting people first in your week. Because if it really is a priority, well, then show that. You know, there are leaders listening to this who think that this is wrong. I know this because I coach them. And it's because their temperament is such that they just... Process, deliver, give, and say, don't worry about this till later. It's almost like the, the binary A, B, C, D mentality. And then anybody who has maybe a, a high emotional IQ or is a feeler or um, maybe is just more susceptible to, to reading into things is going to be impacted dramatically differently than, than that almost engineering mindset. And I found that sometimes as coaches, we have to connect the dots and say, I want you to, I want to put you in the shoes of somebody who's receiving this. And once they realize that they're hijacking somebody's time, they're disrupting somebody's even just peace while they're with their kids or mm-hmm. dealing with some family stuff, they feel bad. It wasn't their intention ever. 
because there was just no intention. It was just process equals A, then B, then C. And again, every communication client you could possibly use now has a delay deliveries function or a save as draft. Work whenever you want to work. I'm not going to dictate that. I won't work on Sundays. I Sabbath on Sundays. Greatest verse or greatest book ever, by the way, Protestant John Mark Comer wrote The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Have you ever read this, Joseph? I have not. Oh, brother, my Catholic friends and my Protestant friends, everybody reads this book, and it is an instantaneous game changer because it teaches us how to Sabbath and its physical, emotional, spiritual benefits of the verb to Sabbath and what that actually looks like so that it's intentional. I cannot say enough good things about John Mark Comer and his approach to this. Um, hopefully he hears this. I actually want him to come on the Beatitudes someday and join us on the podcast. Uh, just check it out. It is, But don't rush through it because that would be counter to the ruthless elimination <laughs> of hurry. I got to hurry and finish this book. Let's yeah, don't put it on 2x speed on your headset. That's uh, <laughs> that's counter. Oh, let's counter. All right. Uh, so, Jeff, let's shift a little bit here. Um, what do you do to strengthen and deepen your faith? What's that habit that you got going on consistently? I'm an early riser, have been my whole life. And I find that before the emails and the phone and the kids kind of become my primary focus, it is my time. So I listen to the Bible in a Year podcast as I'm making breakfast and getting the house in order at about 4.15, 4.30 in the morning. And then I sit after that and spend time in prayer, anywhere from five minutes to 20 minutes, depending on what that that day looks like for me. I actually write every single morning. I post everything I write on LinkedIn uh, around 730 Central. It's fascinating because I have enough business wins and enough stages that I speak on that people will listen to me talk about almost anything. But everything I write is authentically rooted back into the teachings of Christ and the Gospels. And is in my life, like experienced as a, a practicing Catholic in the sacraments, even though some people can't catch it because it's it's just the truth of the truth. Um, and then throughout the rest of the day, uh, like you and I started this in prayer, uh, this was my second time today to pray in a meeting before it started, and it's super early in the day. I guarantee I end up praying in four or five more meetings and praying with and for people, and I've created this new uh, muscle memory that instead of saying, Joseph, I'll pray for you, or thoughts and prayers, same. I say, let's pray now. Yeah, because I Brother. will forget. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll forget. We, a prayer emoji is not a prayer. <laughs> like it. <laughs> so praying is real. The Ambrose story is full of the power of prayer. Um, and then last but not least, when we are both not taking care of sick kids, my wife and I do a great job. We finish the night with a family rosary. She leads it every night or the kids do. I'm there for most of it. And then uh, I like to cover off with my wife and I finish the night praying out loud free form with my wife in Thanksgiving and in uh, asking for God's grace over our decisions and his will in our lives and for specific intentions related to family and friends. Mm, so good. My, my days are incredible, Joseph. Like, yeah, I, I get it's it. like a, a vitamin Jesus, man. I can't get the smile off my face. <laughs> Do you bless your children and your wife before bed? Yes. 
and out loud and silently. So I'll pray with them and then I pray over them. And if I ever come in or have to check on them or if I'm upstairs, all their bedrooms are upstairs, I'll even go in and I'll spend a little bit of time just thinking about each one of them in their sleep, praying over them. So absolutely. That's a game changer for your your children. If you're listening right now, your father, your husband, God has given you the authority to bless your children's lives, their future, your children's children's. And he's given you the authority to bless your wife. Like you have that authority in the home. That's what spiritual leadership is. Yeah. Responsibility and authority, Joseph. Exactly. I got to say it. It's both. No, absolutely. And if you're wondering why you're getting into so many fights with your wife or you're getting into arguments with your kids or your kids are arguing with mom all the time and you're trying to mediate and, and do all that, if you're wondering why that's all happening, most likely it's something as simple as you're not leveraging your authority at, from God, from Jesus himself as a husband and a father to bless your home, bless your family and protect it and cast out all evil from it and do that on a daily basis because darkness is always edging in. So you are that salt and light in your own family. It starts there. And I can't say enough about that, how I do that, especially in seasons of adversity. I'm going through one right now with a brand new number three baby and all of a sudden like just being attacked from all over the place. Um, And that's if I get nothing right in my day except that, I won the day. I won the day. The other night, my wife, I had a late night. I didn't get home after she was asleep. So the next day I'm talking to her, I guess my seven-year-old slept in the bed with her. Amelia is her name that night. And I ended up crawling in bed next to them after they were both asleep. The next day she said, I got to tell you what Amelia did last night. As they were getting ready to turn out the lights, she said, mom, let's pray before we go to sleep. She reached out her hand and held my hand. And she said, Lord Jesus. And she prayed the same way I always pray with my wife at night. And then they finished. And oh, in the middle, she said, mom, do you have anything you'd like to add to the prayer? Seven-year-old leading her. My wife adds a couple intentions and then my daughter closes it out. And my wife beaming with joy said she learned that because that's what her dad does because her dad is a spiritual leader in the household. So you want to talk about success? That's That's success. That's success. Yeah. All right, Jeff, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. It's like a game show without the prizes. Are you ready? Yeah. And I don't see any questions at time. So I'm super pumped. Let's go. What's your favorite thing about God? Favorite thing about God is that I'm enough in God's eyes. Amen to that. The same way our kids are enough in our eyes, right? But they don't think they are. <laughs> That's isn't right. That, isn't that fascinating? What's your, least, right. what's your least favorite thing about God? Uh, that I've never, that I, don't, I have not seen God with my eyes. Like I want to see and experience God with my eyes. It's so annoying. I know. Come on. <laughs> Come on now. All what a right. question, bro. What a question. <laughs> I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently challenged with right now, either professionally or personally? Professionally, praying for those who persecute you as the president of a kid's school board, where people aren't questioning just my decisions, they're questioning me, the human, in mm-hmm. a pretty vile way. So I'm trying to pray for people who persecute me. 
Bro, did some really awesome healing prayers the other night and I actually feel great, but doesn't mean I'm not completely through the struggle. No, that's difficult. What are you most afraid of? Man, I am afraid of my kids being persecuted for my sake. That my public out, you know, my public figure, my public statements, my being the president of all these different things that my kids get attacked or ostracized in their neighborhood and in their friendships and in their school. It will harden their character, man. It will be good for them. Oh. Yeah, I can take you... anything. You could you could beat me up and shoot me. Just be nice to my kids when you're doing it. Be nice to my kids. Yeah, good luck with that. What did you <laughs> spend way too much time doing this past year? Uh, this past year, I spent way too much time uh, feeling sorry for myself about a knee injury and not just going for a walk. I, I can't run anymore. But walking is pretty amazing, and I just didn't do it. Hmm. Imagine if he could run. I mean, your son couldn't breathe and now he can. So just saying. That's right. Just saying. What secret fear do you have about people? My secret fear about people is that, wow, that's a fascinating question. Um, I'm always afraid. Oh my goodness. Joseph, I'm trying to think if I have a secret fear about people. What's yours? <laughs> you just spun it on me. You're so funny. Yeah. That's called stalling, by the way. Listen, I'm we, so curious. We all have one. Um, typically, we don't realize sometimes that it's a subconscious thing. Like, I want to feel accepted. I want to be approved. I want sure. to be heard. I want to be loved. And my fear is that people don't. So, um, I'll so take mine, is, mine is, uh, you know, being falsely accused uh, of my character, my inter- intentions. I've had that most of my life because I show up a certain way. So people think I'm trying to manipulate or have some secret motive or whatever, which I don't. I actually just love people and God. Um, so that, yeah, that's definitely my secret fear. Thank you for sharing. That helps me. So I'm able to process and I understand that one. Um, mine is just being disrespected that, that I always have this fear of being disrespected and it's a trigger for me that I have to curb my reaction to, even if they're not disrespecting me and I just think they are. (laughs) Right. It's that perceived disrespect. That's right. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Um, every person you meet is an extension of God. He's, he's in everybody and is working in everybody and not just the people that you look up to. What is the new habit you're going to create this year? Going for walks, because I think it's a great time for prayer and, uh, and mental recovery. What's a bad habit you go in a break? Uh, drinking like the fifth cup of coffee. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Joyful, tenacious, funny. Pick three words to describe who you were before you surrendered to God's will in all areas of your life. Arrogant, cocky, miserable. I knew you and I were so alike, bro. (laughs) I feel like I was kind of hugging my twin brother when I met you. (laughs) 
you had that intensity, like you would just had a commanding presence. And I'm like, this guy's intense. And I'm like, oh crap, that's how I show up <laughs> that's to people. Me. <laughs> oh crap. Uh, and last question, if you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice about God and relationship with him, what would you say to them? That relationship is real. And because it's real, it's the only thing that matters. <laughs> and you don't need to get a single thing right in your life. Just love God. There you go. Homework assignment time. Give my audience, BC Nation, one action they must take this week uh, to remove the divisiveness in their own life. So my one homework, and there's a bonus to it, pray out loud with someone you've never prayed with before. The, bo the bonus is make it a family member. When Can you... You could be a child, an adult child, and your parents are still alive. And can you imagine telling your dad, dad, can we pray over this decision together? Dad, can we pray over this time that we're all going to be together on vacation? I mean, I think spouse is the greatest place, but pray with somebody you've never prayed out loud with before. Mm. Free form. Not, I love Hail Marys and Our Fathers and meal blessings. Great. I'm saying free form prayer. I agree. I agree. Let's go. All right. Take it on, BC Nation. Step up. Step in. This is your life on the line. Did you enjoy this episode with Jeff? If you did, then go ahead and write him a honest review at Apple Podcasts. You could go to Stitcher.com on Android or go to BrokenCatholic.com and just write it directly there. If we like what you write, we'll give you a live shout out on the show like I'm about to do for the Pastor W, the Pastor W is probably one of my Protestant listeners here, and he's a pastor. Uh, he wrote important life and faith stuff on this show. I had a chance to listen to Joseph's interview with David Murrow about screen time and social media, a must listen for those who want to reclaim their time and humanity. Yeah, that's kind of what we were speaking about today, right? That's right. Thank you, the Pastor W, for your five-star review. We appreciate you. Jeff, uh, how does Broken Catholic Nation find out more about you, get involved? Where do they go? What do you got for them? Uh, I'll give you two, three easy resources. One, my LinkedIn content has become an apostolate for Christ. So look me up. There's not many Jeff Shufflebinds. Mine is just slash Shufflebind. Good luck spelling that. Number two... Follow the Beata Dudes, a new podcast on every platform in YouTube, which has humor, holiness, wit, and wisdom. It's just us being authentically Christian men, seeking God's will and having fun in the process. You can find us anywhere. And last but not least, my new company is undivided.life. There's no.com, undivided.life. And we're doing great classes and content around culture and strategy, all rooted in the social teachings of the church. All right, BC Nation, that's undivided.life. Jeff, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. God bless. Thank you, my brother. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? 
Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.